listening to Four Point Stance, Women's Tackle Football Talk on Anchor, Apple, Google, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, CastBox, PocketCast, Radio Public, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, and on MixCloud. You can access just about all of them except iHeart and MixCloud through... Anchor.fm slash the number 4PT Stance. That gets you the links all through there to get to them. If you go to iHeartRadio.com, go into the podcast area and search for Four Point Stance. That's even if you use the iHeartRadio app on the Roku. You can find the show from there. And you can go on Mixcloud and in the search bar Four Point Stance or Coach Ash. It's pretty easy to find. Let's just say that the URLs are a little too complicated to say because of their algorithm, but they're all there. You can also join the forum on the number 4PT, the the number 4 underscore PT underscore stance on Twitter. You'd think I'd be able to say this after all this time. Or you can join my Twitter feed, W34VI1. And you can find the show on Yelfi, the number 4PT stance, or my personal feed, W34VI1. And you can also go to the Facebook production page, Weevil Productions, W34VI1 Productions. National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, available 24-7, no matter what. They're there to help you, 1-800-273-8255. And the Trans Lifeline, also available 24-7, no matter what, 877-565-8860. So... Obviously, championship weekends happened for the USWFL and the WFA, and they weren't without their controversy in some fashion or another. Um, <laughs> pretty much, okay, so for the USWFL, I might as well just get them out of the way, because they're, theirs is a little interesting, and it kind of really took an interesting turn yesterday. It started out Saturday being interesting, but then it really took an interesting turn yesterday. Um, so the Iron Woman Division Championship was between Hampton Roads and Tri-Cities Thunder, and while the score ended up being 32-6 Tri-Cities, an interesting statement was released by Hampton Roads. Now granted, I have been saying something similar to this for a while, But it was interesting to see this coming out in the sense of another group actually calling this out. Um, Hampton Roads had said that when you dissect a team to your advantage, what do you expect? Play fair and that's all that matters. When you own a team, the league, and play, it's never a fair game. Now, I've had several people say to me, how is this different than the... WFA, and I say it's no different than what the WNFC is doing as well. So, none of the three, none of these three leagues have any room to talk about who's fair on this. All three of them have this problem. Yes, we see that this is being called out, and it's being called out right in the right, like, I think as soon as the zeros hit on the scoreboard, this was called out. Um, it'll be interesting to see if Hampton Roads comes forward according to this. Sounds like they're going to be starting a new team called the Virginia Select. We'll see how that plays out. Um, that kind of plays into potentially the WNFC's expansion, which I will get into that in a second. Um, that has a whole another level that needs to be talked about. 
But um, there's that controversy. I mean, and on a positive note, I mean, you have the to add kind of partially to the controversy. You know, not not the fact that Washington Prodigy won their third straight national championship. They did win against Keystone, 39 to nothing. Um, it's the fact that technically Tri Cities and Washington should have played each other. I think that's the concern here. If Tri Cities is as good as they are claiming to be, they needed to take on Washington. Now, where I say this gets interesting was yesterday. Statements were made that said that pretty much it was jealousy and these teams needed to just get over it. You know, if they want to get better, they better just step up. We've heard this argument before. God, have we heard this argument before. And a lot of it comes from teams that kind of get shit handed to them every step of the way. So, you know, it's kind of one of those sayings. And coming from a commissioner... That's not, I mean, unless you're taking the Mitch Mortaza standpoint, which is not appropriate for this sport, um, you might want to listen to your own fucking teams for once. Just because you don't see a problem doesn't mean that the rest don't see a problem. And all three commissioners could learn from this. To see statements and hear statements that, you know, it's jealousy, get over it, that's just, well, if you don't like it, leave. I don't know how that's helpful to our sport. Um, because it's this pissing match that we've got to have, that this is why we have leagues come out and scams up here that are just hurting our sport. So that's what has been very interesting that sure, Washington Prodigy managed to hit their third, um, WNFC championship, but... It was tarnished by the fact that Tri-Cities pretty much, well, not Tri-Cities Thunder, if we separate them from their ownership and their, the commissioner of the league, if we separate all that. Um, the way the USWFL front office is acting, it definitely tarnished whatever set of victories were ha- to happen. So, something a lot of these leagues need to take into account going forward. Sometimes it's best to just shut your goddamn mouth on this kind of thing. And, I mean, yeah, I'm not one to talk in the sense of, yes, I use my show to talk about shit. But, you know, there's a time and place, and some of that shit needs to be thought about. You know, don't start complaining about people calling you out for shit, and maybe ask yourself, why are they complaining? Don't automatically go on the defensive. You know, that's the biggest problem I've seen in this sport, is we have people that want to act like it's not their problem. And accountability is a lacking quality. Seems to be happening. All three leagues are guilty of this. Trust me, all three are guilty of this in some fashion. It's just some of them are not very good at handling it than others. For the WNFC side of things, since they have been over since last or two weeks ago, they have talked about Phase 2, and they have their expanding markets. They're wanting to update from their 15 teams to 30 to 32. Now, what's interesting is where they say they're wanting to get their markets, Oregon, Minnesota, Kansas, 
Oklahoma, Missouri, Illinois, Michigan, Ohio, Tennessee, Mississippi, North Carolina, Virginia, Maryland. Um, not touching the D.C. area. That's interesting. Pennsylvania, New York, and Maine. Not Maine, excuse me. Massachusetts. Um, it's pretty obvious who they're targeting in some of these areas. And then at the same time, some of these states, they need to... And I've been saying this definitely for the last couple days. A lot of people can confirm I've been saying this. They need to address that transphobic policy they have in place. None of this citing pseudoscience bullshit. We need to have a solid piece of proof before you will convince any team that you are actually taking the asterisks away from the word woman, especially since the sport is about empowering women, and actually acknowledge that trans women are just as capable in, in this sport as cisgendered women. You know, do we really want to get into the scientific fact that a woman who happens to be six foot tall, cisgendered, might actually have more testosterone than somebody else who's 5'2"? Women with brown hair are going to have more testosterone in their system than women with blonde hair? Do we really want to get into that full detail? Do we really want to play this pissing match in the fact that we want to exclude so many women? I'll tell you right now, good luck trying to pull out of Oregon because there's a lot more trans athletes in, in this country than you think. And I can tell you right now, Oregon's not one of those that wants to, you know, it's a crime to discriminate. Minnesota, you should know by now, it is a crime to, dis to discriminate against a trans individual. I'm sure many of you have read that art, that news article so far that found the Minnesota Vixen guilty of discriminating against a trans woman. Pending, we're still waiting on some other details. But that was already decided. That's public record. Does the WNFC want to have their own situation where they're sued for discrimination? You know, it, it's very interesting how... We want to play this into a problem, but we don't want to, like, think about it. You know, UCLA did a study, it was actually released pretty recently, about concentration of transgender athletes and youth in the United States. Did you know that the South, the Bible Belt, and it actually kind of the South, but it also goes almost all, it goes all the way up to the DMV, has the highest concentration concentration of transgendered adults and youth in the country. It's estimated 571,000 adults are transgender. Or 58,000 children. That's a lot of people. And considering the teams that are in that area, you're going to discriminate a large population that potentially could get you your roster numbers that are gifted, talented individuals. It doesn't matter male or female. A talented athlete is a talented athlete. Even the most talented female athletes can still blow the competition off of other talented female athletes. Cisgendered or not. Look at male athletes. They compete against each other all the time to see who has the better gift. 
So to see this, you know, from Montana down to New Mexico, all the way to the West Coast, 395,000 adults that are estimated. That's the second biggest concentration right there. Does the WNFC really want to alienate themselves and put themselves in that box? Since apparently now uh, it's bad to single out. I don't... You know what? Fuck that. Singling out somebody sometimes eliminates this problem. You can tell me you're looking into it all you want, but until I see hard, verifiable proof in the form of, here is the new policy and we will enforce it with every single group, I don't believe shit. I'm a slave to hard, cold facts. I'm a slave to that. Why? Because if I tried to pass something that wasn't true, a lot of you would be all up in my ass about this. I said, at midpoint of the season, something about this policy. Utah Falcons, towards the end, said something about this policy. Various other teams have, in a roundabout way, said something about this policy. One group has remained silent. Or they run to certain locations so a lot of us don't get to hear their answers. Or have a public statement about it. What you personally feel towards a trans athlete is none of our... Like, whatever. You want to be an asshole, that's your that's your business. But don't take that assholery and put it into policy. We're dealing with this in the White House right now. We deal with this every single day. Why are we accepting this in women's sports? Especially when we're already hounding everyone about the fact that they should be ashamed to be shaming, you know, women's soccer team. People should be ashamed for, you know, people were getting up in arms about Castor Semenyak being shamed because she naturally has high testosterone. Yeah, we're not going to protect our trans brothers and sisters because, oh, that's different. You know, there is a word for that, and I've said it many times. If you don't want to be labeled and known as a TERF, trans-exclusive radical feminist, then why the fuck are you even involved? And those of you that sit by and act all quiet about it and refuse to make waves, well, you got somebody like me who has no problem cannonballing into this shit. I will fight tooth and nail for my trans brothers and sisters. I'll fight tooth and nail from, you know, the black community, the, the immigrant community, quote-unquote. Whether they're white, black, brown, I don't care. You see injustice in the world, you have to call it out. Because that's how we as a community will improve. Do you really think I enjoy sitting here, bitching about this week after week, when I really just want to talk about women's cycle football? You know, I'm waiting for somebody to be like, you need to stick to sports. You forget, sports are political on their own. Why? Because we tend to take political talking points, make them policy. And make it acceptable and into the fabric of the sport. 
So, get over the fact that this quote, quote, sports theater doesn't exist anymore. And accept the fact that there is some shitty people out there trying to do stuff. We've already lost a league over this circumstance. Whether or not they're directly involved, I mean, we won't know until the documents are out. I can say from my sources, they weren't directly involved, but they did kind of get sucked into something that wasn't. They could have avoided And they know that. But these other leagues need to learn. You know, the double, the A, the IAAF is learning the hard way. You can go to court or arbitration of sports all you want. You can have that in your favor. Doesn't mean you're right. Just because something is legal doesn't mean it is morally correct. Just because something is a policy doesn't mean it is correct. And I wish the WNFC would address it. You can send me a message anytime. OJ, you can send me a message anytime. Your commissioner can send me a message anytime. It's not like I'm not hard to find. Send me a message explaining this. Otherwise, until this is actually confirmed to be done, I will keep saying something about it. So that's all great that the WNFC wants to expand, but they have really got to address their own problems first. That policy is one of them. Because I hate to tell them, many of those states they're going to are very progressive. And you're going to alienate a large population and create your own enemy. All in the pursuit of fucking over another league. And that's not helpful to our sport. Trying to get people to drink the Kool-Aid based on one little thing is not helpful. Especially if behind the scenes, you are secretly doing the opposite. WNFC had their championship weekend, and it had its controversy too, but it kind of stemmed out of little things. Division 3 game. Yes, I watched all three games. There was really, I mean, nothing else to do, so why not? The Orlando Anarchy took on the Nevada Storm. This game, depending on who you ask, a lot of people say, oh, this was a great game. As a defensive coordinator, this game was exhausting because there was so much the defense could have done to make this game better. I hate high-scoring games because unless it's a bunch of pick sixes, and I know for a fact this game wasn't, um, high-scoring games mean jack shit in the way of how good a team is. Um, but also that means games go on for a long time. This game went on for a while. But it still kind of showed a lot between these two teams. These two teams were still very good. You know, Orlando, when you would look at their regular season stats, showed themselves to be very strong. They were more of a passing team, and they did pass a lot. When you look at playoffs, they did pass quite a bit too. They had their runners, and yes, running off tackle seemed to just kill Nevada. It was like, for some reason, I've noticed this is the year the sweep killed teams. Just every team had this problem with the sweep. And a lot of it comes down to not teaching defensive line what to do and defensive secondary. But anyway, 
So, yes, these two teams were well matched up in the sense of offense-defense going against each other. But there were adjustments that could have been made. You know, Nevada is practically a run team. And they did nothing but run. Run off tackle, sweeps, tosses. And we're gaining the 9.6 to 17.7 average, especially number 22. You know, she wasn't one of the leading rushers for nothing for Nevada. You know, when you... In the regular season, she had 603 rushing yards. The only one that was actually ahead of her was number one, was 670. But number 22 actually averaged 17.7 per carry. And I wish the stats were up for... For, um championship game, but they're not. Um, but even during the other two playoff games, you know, number two was averaging 13.5 per carry. 323 regular season yards prior to that game. That's a lot. And it, we're also a concept, and it's something I didn't mention because it was kind of implied, was obviously elevation was in favor of Nevada because Reno sits at a high elevation. In Orlando, not so much, actually, if at all. So, you could tell the game was close. The game was kind of close. I mean, other than inch back and forth. But you could tell Orlando just was not acclimated properly. And Nevada was able to just run away with it. Orlando was coming back, but Nevada just had the advantage physically and just were able to read Orlando pretty easily. Score ended up being 62-45. to Nevada does take home the Division Three National Championship. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what Zenith gives them, considering that all the winners actually got something from Zenith. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes forward. But Orlando shouldn't be ashamed. They are still a very good team. and But they know what to work on. They really do know what to work on. Um... The video for this game was kind of a tough one because it we didn't get to see the very first part of it. Like We didn't get to see Nevada's first score if you watched it on YouTube. Um, thankfully, the Utah Blitz had it live streaming so we could see it. But um, so it was kind of the start of the whole video problems that were taking place. Um, and that, I know that angered quite a few fans, but at the same time, a lot of people don't realize you got to acclimate cameras too, and it's kind of sad that local cameras should have known that. But it's kind of tough to dissect this one just in the fact that I think defenses were the biggest problem here. It's too high a scoring game in my opinion, but remember I am a little biased. Special teams could have been improved on, could have been improved on for all three of these games, but again, that's my professional bias, because those are my two specialties, defense and special teams, so, you know, congrats to Nevada Storm. Detroit Dark Angels took on St. Louis Slam. St. Louis did come away with the victory 34 to nothing, and this did have controversy on its own. I'll get to that in a second. Um, this game, it just seemed like Detroit couldn't get themselves in a groove. Statistically, they were there. They were there statistically. 
Part of it was because St. Louis didn't update shit, so you couldn't really break them down. But Detroit had plenty opportunities. They were taking advantage, you know, being a primarily run team, but they could pass. It was just not often. They could, just couldn't execute it. St. Louis, you know, kind of a 50-50 team. You never knew what you were getting into. Kind of difficult to determine. But, again, if your defenses hold well and you can actually read the ball, it's not that hard to stop. But it just seemed like, you know, here Detroit was going to make a touchdown and then fundamentals broke down and fumbled the ball in the end zone touchback. And, you know, I, I've had several people say that they thought the ball would have technically gone out of bounds or been touched out of bounds, and by definition, they still touchback. But, um, especially being touched by somebody. Um... But, you know, it's complicated. You know, sure, I mean, St. Louis got being, but they've just taken control of games all throughout the season, including Kansas City. But Detroit shouldn't be sad. You know, I said they were dark horse this whole tournament. They held St. Louis to 34. This could have been a 60 to nothing game easily. Detroit was a dark horse. And I know many people had been against them, and I had just been saying, they've got something here. When they lost to Cle or not Cleveland, to Columbus, the Comets, at the last regular season game and it ended their perfect streak, it seemed like that was the moment that everything turned on them. Yes, God, their game against Pittsburgh was probably the best game I've seen all season. That was by far one of the best games. Because it was just back and forth, back and forth. And it was actually strong defensive showing. It wasn't just anything. That was with weather delay and everything. There. This one, it was just... Oh, there was times where I'm like, Oh, come on, Detroit. You could do... Oh, come on. Like, I... Yes, I have a special place in my heart for underdogs. And I kept saying, you know, Detroit is the dark horse here. They have a chance. If they execute this, this, and this, they have a chance. That's okay. You know, next season, this is going to be a different Detroit team. This this team, oh, they're going to come back with vengeance. Everybody better, everybody better be worried. They're going to take everyone out. Pittsburgh especially should be worried. You know, Columbus won't lose to them again. You, you know, they won't lose to Columbus ever again like that. You know, there's some stuff that's going to get very interesting. And... You know, going forward, I see the Dark Angels. This is... This could have been the eye-opener. Not in, like, kind of a, I guess, a good way for them. But they're definitely going to open it up and take off from here. St. Louis does get the Division II championship, which is kind of fitting and not really surprising, to be honest, in their return back to the WFA. Um, remember, they were gone for a tiny bit. But, um interesting going forward. I know St. Louis obviously because there was talks that there was going to be a different St. Louis team and then they decided to bring back the Slam so this is going to be an interesting move forward from there. And then finally the Division 1 game. Yeah this one's a little uh, interesting to break down. Um I had warned against 
Yes, Boston was a primarily running team, but if you kept everything behind the line of scrimmage, and I mean everything, including the screen pass and any tosses that they were going to do, just like they did in the very first play, Cali could have had this game very well. Um, you know, Cali was ahead there for a while. They were up by two scores there for a while. And then all of a sudden, as soon as they lost their starting quarterback, or not quarterback, center, backup center, and Destiny got hurt, the running back, it just seemed like that was when the momentum took fell out of them. Now granted, we, are, we were talking kind of a roster numbered problem. Um, it looked like only about 25 or so traveled for Cali where Boston had full complement. And that is kind of the downside of which team is, makes more money or has more money than others. And ultimately, it came down to Cali just wasn't making adjustments. You know, a defensive end should not be rushing upfield and playing that ignorant to a play and not expect a 35-yard run to happen right behind the gap she just left open. If she was on a blitz, that's fine, but that outside linebacker should have been in that spot. You know, there, there's steps you have to take. Special teams, you know, that's the one thing about elevation a lot of teams don't pay attention to is there were times that it felt like that is what you know watching that football it was like man that broke the speed limit there was a couple times but that's the one thing about high elevation is there's less oxygen to interfere with the ball so kicks go farther passes go farther too and to be perfectly honest you know Cahill leading into that game only had three interceptions all season Two in the regular season, one in the postseason. Interception four and five for the 2019 season happened during this game. Why? Because instead of throwing to positions, they were ultimately throwing to locations. Now, granted, they were probably trying to throw to people, but again, not taking into account the elevation and not spending the proper adequate time acclimating themselves to throwing in that location, it did play a role. Played a role even for Cali. Now granted, it was impressive that Cali didn't get sacked. You know, Boston was seeing some problems, but you could see a little bit of the wor- the wearing down because Cali didn't have the numbers to keep up. But they were still giving pressure at times. Where, yes, you had bad snaps, but I'll tell you right now, it didn't seem, didn't look like Callie's quarterback really hit all that much. She had one or two bad passes because she was caught just at the last second. So men have that happen all the time. And it was interesting looking at the stats leading into that game, you know. Who was, obviously, these were the leaders. You know, Cahill had... And this is combined of all their games so far, pro, regular season and post. Uh, Cahill had 2,373 passing yards total. She was 181 for 272. That's a 66.5% accuracy overall leading into that game. 
He had 41 touchdowns and only three interceptions before the game began. It's pretty damn good. Chan, you know, Nina, Win Nina Wiggins, had 1,937 yards. She was 97 for 167. That was a 58%, which is still pretty comparable. 34 touchdowns, only four interceptions. She had zero in this game. And that alone, and that elevation, given the circumstances and just various little things, was pretty impressive. I mean, you know, Boston averaged about 60 points per game, and they were held below their average. Cali was... You know, Cali brought in more points than Boston allowed. Like, than Boston was used to. Um, you know, you look at... DC was the only team that actually scored sizable amount of points on Boston, and Cali managed to put 24 on them. And what just ended up happening is Cali ran out of gas. Boston could keep themselves rusted and could keep rotation, and Cali ran out of gas. And I know they know that. So it is very interesting going forward how this is going to play out. Um, Boston's still celebrating. It's popping up constantly on my on social media. Um, Cali, though, I don't think I don't think this is going to this taste too good for them. So you know, just as Orlando and Detroit, this is going to be a different team next year. Whatever the hell it ends up becoming, but it's going to be a different team next year. Boston. Who knows? Um, this is going to be an interesting building for them, too. You know, when you've got somebody sitting in your backyard trying to take out of your pool, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how this builds, too. Um, I think one of the biggest things is the WFA has to learn to deal with is restructuring itself. You know, we have only eight seven teams in Division 1. There are 27 or so in Division 2, and then all the rest are Division 3. If we combine Division 1 and 2 and make some adjustments here and there, we'd actually even it out, and it would actually force an extra round that was supposed to happen, and actually probably filter out quite a bit of this. You know, sure, Boston may be great, but you can't tell me that they couldn't have been surprised by somebody. Somebody that they would have totally underestimated. That would have made for a more interesting setup. But, you know, whatever. Whatever, usually the ones that are saying, well, everything's fine are the ones that benefit off the most. And I'll tell you right now, most of the Division One teams are saying, well, I don't see anything wrong with what's going on. And you know what? Come talk to me. You know, when was the last time you guys sat at 0-8? That's what I gotta say. You know, when was the last time that you actually had a shit season? Um, and it wasn't because of who you had to play, it was because, or, well, it was because of who you had to play, but it was, you know, oh, the schedule's too hard, yeah, right, right, sure, whatever, um, you know, this is where the Mazzies fail to understand, is how we rank this, it just doesn't seem fair, okay, if these are the top tier teams, then why is it, we had more excitement coming out of the other two than this one, you know, not saying it wasn't exciting, but... Still, technically a high-scoring game in my opinion. You know, 52 points, Boston should have scored something on defense. They didn't. It was all offense. Cali managed to turn turnovers into points. That is a good scoring game. In truth, 
Boston. This should have actually been a much closer game. This should have been like a 34 to 24 game. But, you know, it's just one of those things that Callie obviously needs to know what he obviously has figured out that they need to learn some things. Um, and Boston, you know, when you can afford to keep yourselves going this way, we'll see how long this goes. But um, a lot of it does come up from the front office. You know, restructuring might be accounted for. Because from an outside perspective, you want to know one of the reasons why the Patriots are one of the most hated teams in the country? It's because they can afford to kind of get an advantage over other places that, that nobody else can afford. You know, if Oakland had the same amount of wins in a row that Patriots have, they'd be the most hated. You know, Dallas was the most hated for a while. We have Pittsburgh that's hated by a lot. You know, because, hell, you're looking at basketball. Lakers. There comes a level of, sure, winning's great. We're going to ignore the whole arrogance thing, because there are some points where it's like, hmm, okay. But, put yourself in the shoes of the team that has not won a game all in their entire career, and still kept going. They do it because they want to. They're not doing it for the wins. They're doing it for the empowerment of the women. Others are doing it for the wins. And fuck the rest. So. And I'm not saying that as a negative, and I'm not just pointing that directly at Boston. I'm just saying that in general. All three leagues are guilty of this. You know, it's pretty funny to hear some of these groups say, well, everybody's just jealous. Well, yes, there is that. Um, but for others, it's kind of, you know, wait until the shoe's on the other foot whenever the hell that happens. And then when you start complaining, the rest of, the, the rest can look at you and go, shocks, doesn't it? Welcome to our world. So. I've been saying a lot of things need to change in the WFA for now. But, uh, we'll see. Since the end of uh, technically the All-Star game, which was on Sunday with the um, USWFL. We're officially in what we all call and dub the silly season or the off season. Call it the silly season because you'd be amazed what bullshit just shows up. But then at the same time, there is the true off season issues. It was announced yesterday on Acadiana Zydeco's Facebook page that they have decided to take the 2020 season off. To recruit and reorganize. I, for one, am very sad about that because, yes, nine years, you know, that that's a group that always, I always had a special place in my heart for them. Always did. And it is sad to see that they had that happen. So, let's hope they can come back and really, you know, I'm hoping we can see them in 2021. And, uh, we can keep football alive in that area. I know in the meantime, the Louisiana Bayou Storm Surge will be taking hold. It will be in the WFA. I have a f I know that quite a few of the Zydeco are moving over there. One of them is uh, one of the owners, one of the co-owners. Um, she is... Or she, say, she is a big name in the kid on Zydeco. Um, she's also got... A lot coming up. I know Kat Morales, she definitely has, she has a show that she's going to be promoting soon, which that'll be exciting to have. 
um, than this. So she knows what she's getting into, and it'll be interesting come 2021 how these two teams will work together. Um, but at least that area is not without a team. So, and then according to their Facebook page, they made a decision because the Zydeco were taking that time off that they were going to step in and help out. Um, so it is, you know, this is technically how the sport should be done. You know, you work together. You see, oh, this team just went out. Well, we got this team over here that can take in, you know, works out. Or if you're in, like, some cases where you've got so many people that it's just easier to start another team nearby and go from there. Um, it works out that way. But, um, you know, it's just uh, definitely a lot building up. So... It is very interesting looking how we move forward from here. Um, right now I'm checking to see how this, what is showing up because it's been some interesting, some very interesting stuff I've been paying attention to. Um, I mean, one of the pieces I find is an irony of, you know, the WFA saying that they're going to team with Global Games and partner with a group in Canada. But, you know, a couple years ago, I guess everybody forgets that they kicked out Montreal Blitz because they didn't want to be associated with anything Canadian. Um, or anything non-American was exactly the words put in that email to Montreal. Um, but, uh, well, we all forget about that. But anyway, <laughs> you know, it'll be interesting going forward seeing how this plays out for this silly season. And actually, believe it or not, thank God it's been mellow. I mean, we just have little things here and there, but I know it's going to wrap up very, very soon in the sense of there's always something coming, and it's always right around the start of August that all of a sudden all the bullshit hits. Then September hits, and then we got to deal with the drama of the men's football, and then our drama, and obviously we'll have to deal with the potential drama of the scam, um, which now says slated for August 10th, and I've said many times that's great, but uh, does the uh, location know you're going to be there? Because right now, they won't answer my questions, they actually deleted every time I... I try to bring it up. So, as I've said to the WNFC, that's a group that, oh, well, in case you can, uh, oh, I don't know, pull your head out of your ass and say something and actually answer questions, it you know, be really nice. But, uh, anyway, not seeing much, which is a rare thing and kind of a nice thing. So... The plans for moving forward in four-point stance. Um, it's going to be the last show for a little while. I'm going to restructure the show, rebrand. Got quite a few things coming up. You may soon notice a logo popping up of a Deathhead's moth that has a football helmet and a football in it with the name Koi, which is actually Finnish for moth. My brand, don't worry about it, I'll explain it later. Um, so you'll start seeing Koi show up a little more, a little pretty soon once everything gets finalized. 
Um, got a few other things planned. I'm gonna keep under wraps. But, um, going to be rebranding. So that gives, you know, JC Hawks Radio and Gridiron Beauties a chance to just have fun with things. You know, don't, don't break things while I'm gone. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at you guys. Don't break things while I'm gone. Um, because I'm not here to clean up your messes. But, uh, and I mean that with the most affection, kind of fun as I can. But, yeah, there's definitely a lot that's going to be coming down. Um, if you want to sponsor the show, I will have stuff up soon about potential sponsorships and what this is going to mean. And, like, you know, maybe little tidbits. I will tell you right now that if you donate to the show, you do get inside information. Um, you tend to know what's going to be said in the show, or you have a chance to kind of get input, input, input into building the show as we go along. If you don't believe me, ask at least one of my donors. Um, they get asked questions all the time about what do they want to see, because they're, you know, constant on this. But um, that's one of the perks that I provide, that you donate to the show, you get to help build it. You get to help make, you know, offer suggestions, and I go from there. And sometimes I usually just ask you questions or your thoughts on specific things. So, I'm not entirely sure when I'm going to come back. i got a few other things going on privately that i got to deal with. But, uh, keep a lookout. I know this season hasn't quite gone, this year in general, but this season hasn't quite gone the way I liked. The sense of how the show's set up, so that's why we're rebranding. Um, it's going to, you know, implement a bit more of my 13 locations, my baker's dozen of podcast locations. I may find more in this downtime, but uh, we're going to have something different, something new, something exciting, possibly something that hasn't been done before, and we're going to have fun with it. So once 2020 hits, we've got quite a plethora of stuff. Um... And it'll be interesting going forward. So, I do say that as this is one of my last episodes that I'll probably be doing for a little while. You know, that could be anywhere from a couple weeks to, you know, it could be September. I, I don't know yet. Just depends on how the building works and how I'm making headway on my rebrand and all this stuff. But, uh, you know, a bunch of fun stuff. Before I leave this episode, I'm kind of going to give you a little bit of a parting note. Um, today marks the anniversary, six-year anniversary of Black Lives Matter. And I know some of you are kind of like, oh, God, really, we're going to get into this? Well, I'm going to tell you right now, considering that nothing is improving for, you know, th- this country is really, just when we think we can't find a lower point, somebody digs a deeper hole. Um... I kind of feel like this is important. If you go to blacklivesmatter.com, you can donate, you can be involved, you can help them um, best you can. Doesn't matter who you are. If you see injustice, call it out. I've been saying this about the transphobia we've been seeing in our sport. And now granted, we haven't had to deal with the racism, thankfully, or that I know of, because if I find out about that, you think that you're going to be safe. But, um, you know, we need to support everyone. We need to close the concentration camps. We need to get a racist individual out of certain areas of power. And we need black people to feel safe in everywhere they're going. 
And that's the one thing that many of us can use as our, quote, privilege to call it out. And know that we call it out, there's really no backlash. If they call it out, it's potentially life and death. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm sick of seeing that. I want my black brothers and sisters to be able to walk out of their door and not fear for their lives. I want them to be able to live in their house and not fear for their lives. I want them to be able to shop and not fear for their lives. I want them to be able to breathe and not fear for their lives. So, go to blacklivesmatter.com. That has all the resources, how to help, where to donate, what you can do to get involved. And, uh... Remember, no justice, no peace. And that's a big thing right now. We're not getting any justice for anything. So why are we giving them peace? You know, in the immortal words from American Gods, Nancy, you know, anger, anger gets shit done. And that's something we all need to remember, because guess what? Anger does get shit done. You have been listening to Four Point Stance, women's tackle football talk on a baker's a dozen worth of locations. All but iHeartRadio, Mixcloud can be accessed on anchor.fm slash number 4PT Stance. If you go to iHeartRadio.com and go into the podcast section and then search, you can type in Four Point Stance and you have to find me because it's weird, the algorithms, but you can find my show. See, that football, you, you'll know it. And you can go to Mixcloud, type in Four Point Stance or Coach Ash. I'll be the, one of the first ones to show up on that. And it's pretty easy to get to from there. On Twitter, you can join the forum, the number four underscore PT underscore stance. Or my personal Twitter handle, W34VI1. You can also join on Yelfi, that's Y-E-L-L-F-Y, with the number four PT stance or Weevil, W34VI1. And you can even join the show on Facebook through Weeble Productions, W34VI1 Productions. And as a reminder, National Suicide Prevention Lifeline available 24-7 no matter what, 1-800-273-8255. And the Trans Lifeline, also available 24-7, there to help you, 877-565-8860.